Welcome to the first Critical Geeks podcast of 2021, and I've got all the geeks with me today. I've got Mr. Ryan Perry. Hello. And Mr. Mark Seish. How you all doing? Who you've heard before, Ryan is of course a writer and a contributor to Game Hype, and Mark is a lovely fuzzball-related friend with his own range of fuzzball cat, rabbit, and cute t-shirts. How are we all doing today, guys? I'm still... My ears still feel a bit uncomfortable hearing Mark's surname pronounced as Sach instead of Sack because it's always, I always read it as Sack, which probably annoys him, but I can't help myself. Uh, yeah, beyond that, I'm doing fine. Good, good. So I uh, get your early insults out of the way. Um, it's not an insult, it's just, if you're like Mark Sach, I'm like, who's Mark Sach? Oh, wait, you mean Sack. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. 2020 was obviously a difficult and an entertaining year for lots of reasons. Um, we we don't specifically only talk about computer games in here. Well, we do, but it's a bit difficult to talk about films where half the cinemas were closed and everything was put back. Um, and TV shows, there's thousands of them, so I don't really feel like talking about that will be that much ex- that that really exciting because there's millions of them to talk about and we might not have all seen them. So we're going to do a little rundown of all the games of the year that we think are worth talking about. Um, and then maybe we'll wrap up with what we specifically loved from 2020, or maybe what we specifically didn't love from 2020. So I'm going to go down the months. We talked about this earlier, just before we came on. Um, January and February, there wasn't really much on there um, that we feel relevant that we'd talk about. There's a few sort of games that piqued people's interests, like The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, which is a VR game. Warcraft 3 was a disaster, the reforged version, of course. So we'll move quickly on to March, and I'm going to go down the list here, which was one of my favourite games of the year, was the Black Mesa release for PC, which of course is the Half-Life remake, which took about 97 years to make and somehow wasn't sued into the ground by Steam and Valve. Um, I thought it was absolutely brilliant, but it's it's... Biggest uh, biggest praise for me is that it felt like the original Half-Life, and the worst thing I can say about it is it felt like the original Half-Life. Fucking hell, Ryan, the amount of crouch jumping you have to do in that game was infuriating. Yes, nothing dates a shooter like a good crouch um, jump. Infuriating. And Mark, you know, we've spoken about how the criticism of Half-Life is the last level set on the planet. Um, they stretched that out. Good Lord, they stretched that out. They added another three or four hours, and some of it was brilliant. It was beautiful. Even on my sort of all right, you know, my, my good, not super tier PC, it looked beautiful on this computer, but other parts of the level was like con- literal conveyor belt puzzle jumping sections that made me want, made me want to jump out of a window. That I hated them so much. Um, so Black Mesa was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't think either of you have played... Half-Life 2 to the to the to the degree that I have many many times but it is of course a classic game um, I've, but I've, I've not really been a, a big Half-Life player it's, it's a series that's kind of missing from the games I've played and I should get around at some point yeah I played it late in the day so all I heard about for years was the amazing physics and when that stalker shoots the shed and all this you know hype and then when I eventually got around to playing it as part of the orange box I was just like eh all right yeah um to me one of the highlights of the year maybe you could call it nostalgia but i was just generally generally impressed by the actual um remake and how how good it was how visually nice it looked and how it, it didn't really date anything other than the controls but that's to be expected from that game 
But I, um, I, I guess for for me and Ryan moving on from from this, uh, this probably came around. I, I, I wouldn't say the perfect time, but obviously COVID kind of affected us, sort of March time. So a bit of escapism, and what better way to escape than uh, with some Call of Duty Warzone? I was just about to get that, Mark, before you derailed my On the Rails Half-Life, which is a reference from On the Rails Half-Life. Um, yes, you all enjoyed Call of Duty Warzone, and I was reluctantly dragged along at times to play with you both. I, I think it came around at the right time because, one, it was free, and two... It doesn't require a lot of concentration, so you can just kind of mess around with friends and chat. Um, Ryan might think a bit differently, but you know, for for the most part, it was was a lot of fun to to do and to be able to hang out with people who you couldn't hang out in real life, really. Yeah, I mean, okay. I suppose to me, you've got the social aspect of Warzone and the gameplay of Warzone, and I enjoyed the former way more than the latter. Um, it didn't take long for Warzone to start to get irritating with the meta and just got a bit stale quite quickly um like what probably six months into warzone we had the update of the nighttime map that we're all really excited for and then it, it just it was just like it was dusk it was just a bit yeah. gray instead of being nighttime and i thought oh this is a bit disappointing so i got old it got old to me quite quickly but again it was free to play we all had it the amount of hours we put in i didn't really mind buying the battle pass because it was something to do and you know when i've put 60, 70, 80, 90, God knows an hour into it. I feel like maybe it's worth a tenner. So, but you're, you're, you're yeah. right, the updates were the worst thing about it. You know, we've, we've introduced a train system that is of no use and no one will use and actually makes the game worse. Uh, we've introduced the zombie mode, which was quite cool for a little bit of time. Um, but generally, a lot of the updates were just stupid things like the stadium's open, great, no one goes in there. Um, yeah, it, it could have had more changes, a bit like Apex Legends, uh, changing the map to keep it fresh. Uh, but, you know, we put in a few hundred hours, some of us. Uh, so I think we've got our money's worth considering it's free. Yeah, agreed. I hate Battle Royale games, but it's probably the best one I've played for one simple reason, that it actually works. Because obviously it's an existing game, existing engine, it's already established and works, and I felt confident in having gunfire on it. So, yeah. Um, I'd reluctantly say it's probably the best battle I've played. I don't think I'll be jumping on it too much, um, though, because I'm just not a fan of the genre. Although so It has our mo me and Ryan's moment of the year, which was uh, parachuting down with <laughs> the last of four people left. The other team did not know where we were as the, the zone was shrinking on them and like only a few metres wide. I, d I don't... I don't know even how you parachuted. Did you just jump off a building to parachute? It wasn't like you respawned or... No, we respawned. Uh, so, so our teammate managed to save us in the final few seconds and we respawned in uh, and parachuted our way down on top of them and just smacked them in the face. Yeah, I love how you didn't shoot them. You just beat them to death in their, their confusion of just two people. How those two didn't assume you were cheating, I don't know. I mean, they watched the kill come and would see it, to be fair. Be beating people is actually more effective than shooting in, in Call of Duty. Um, yeah, so it made, it's it infuriating. Yeah, it, it, it was a great moment. I'm glad I recorded it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's a, a great memory. Um, so one person in the lockdown who came off very well from it is Joe Wicks and his workouts. And there's another person who got a hell of a workout that year whose shoulders and back is probably stronger than it's ever been before. And that's Ori from One of the Wisps because she carried the entire Xbox franchise on her shoulders for that year because there's Nothing really worth mentioning from uh, too much from Xbox in the year, but Ori Will and the Wisps was a massive highlight to me. 
beautiful game, beautiful game, visually, sound-wise. Gameplay mechanics are fantastic. It was tough, but a right level of tough. Just just fantastic. Like, I, I loved it, Ori, One of the Wisps. I think, Mike, you didn't like it as much as the first one, though? No, I, I really loved the first one and, and got the, the Definitive Edition and had to replay it all over again to access the new content, but it was still great to do. This one I was left a little bit disappointed with. Um, I think they added a little bit too much uh, in terms of like the the upgrades and things like that. The difficulty for me was on the wrong side of difficult, and it was mainly the, the chase sequences. So in the first game, they were tough. Uh, I'm fairly tough. In this, I think they went even harder on them, uh, and it ruined what should be an exciting escape sequence. You having to repeat it over and over and over again to, to figure out what the game wants you to do at the precise moment, uh, that it kind of, I don't know, took, took the wind out of its sails a little bit. Yeah, once you've still, died for the 15th breaking. time, it loses the excitement. Yes. It's almost like those sections you need to be, have your hand held and you can't really die, but... Yeah, it, it needs to be a bit, a bit like one of those games where you think you're about to die, but the game is holding back to keep the excitement going. Um, it, and, it, and it doesn't do that, it just kills you instantly. Um, it's still a great game, definitely worth a play, but I didn't like it as much as the first one. Not, not by a huge amount, just by a little bit. Um, I, agree, I agree with the chase sequences, I've always said that, they're too trial and error, but I think it's better than the first game. I, I, would, I, would, I think, Ryan, you didn't play much of it yet, have you? I haven't finished the first one yet. <laughs> well, there you go then, you can play both of them and come to a decision. Um, definitely worth checking out if you haven't do, and of course, it's on Game Pass. So, uh, the next game, again, when talking about things that are beneficial during the lockdown, I'm probably going to step back to let you two talk about this, is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Well, I'll start off with, I'm not a huge Animal Crossing fan. Um, you know, I, I, I quite like the actual gameplay and the ideas behind it. I just don't have the time to invest into it. Um, and talking to friends, like a lot of them were really into it, especially as during this time it, it created like a happy environment and a way to like interact with friends and stuff but I know a lot of people after a few months dropped off it um, just because the content wasn't engaging enough for intense play I guess and it's not that sort of game anyway um, but yeah it's, it's not a game I've actually put any time into uh, I had zero interest in playing it I played one of them back in the day on the DS um, and in the many iterations we've had since then it, nothing looks like it's been added or changed or explored more it's just okay i mean i would fall into the category of busy work simulator for me um where it's just i, I guess i kind of missed the point of like okay, i'm just doing things in it why would i want this routine when i've already got a daily routine in my in my real life so i had no interest um at all i think if it wasn't for all the cute cuddly animals aspect to it i don't think it would be as popular as it would be because it's like Ryan says he doesn't like busy work games and stuff like Minecraft. But at least in Minecraft, busy work usually tends to help you create or do something. Where in Animal Crossing, you're just chasing the dragon of more money to do nothing with. I don't know. I've never got the appeal in it personally. It's, it's a relaxing game. I think it's for gamers who just want to do something easy and casual. Uh, uh, so I think, it, I think it's fine. It does what it does well. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it's not a game for, for someone who wants to play, say, a Doom Eternal. Such funny, I was about to say, Mark, it's almost like you were going to say Animal Crossing is for girls, but doing Eternals for men! Yeah! <laughs> men that kick ass and aren't afraid of a challenge. Ryan, how did you think of uh, doing Eternal was? You know, very similar to Mark's thoughts on Ori and Will of the Wisps. I feel like the first Doom 2016 was absolutely phenomenal and was almost a perfect game. 
And then with Doom Eternal, I went, oh, let's just add a bunch of stuff to it and overcomplicate it and ruin what was the simple joy of Doom. Um, I'm going to go back to Doom Eternal and try and complete it, mostly because YouTube keep teasing me and you know what I'm like for being challenged. Um, but yeah, I just thought they overcomplicated it. All of the different enemy types and the shooting the specific weak points. And I was just like, this isn't what I enjoyed about Doom 2016. I just want to run forwards and blast the crap out of stuff, which is weird because when we played this at EGX, I was like, this is amazing. Because I liked the whole, you know, flamethrower things for armor and then gory kill for ammo and all the kind of stuff that you could do. That system worked really well. Um, but then when you play the actual game and there's all these shoot the horrible brain spider crab thing, I don't know what it's called, uh, in the gun and then shoot this guy and then blow this guy. I, I hated all the weak point stuff. I was like, I don't want to be sniping and being a marksman on Doom. I just want to run forward and punch my fist through it. Let's go. Though I was not overly impressed. See, for me, I wasn't a fan of Doom 2016. Um, I, I didn't quite like the, the way it worked with it all being in like small arenas constantly. Um, so when I got Doom Eternal, I didn't expect to like it. And initially, the first few levels, you won't like it. It's, it's extremely difficult. Um, you have no ammo, no health, no nothing. And the game is trying to teach you all these mechanics every two seconds there's a new pop-up or a new pause which is teaching you a tutorial um, the first few levels are really difficult to get into and everyone fans and haters will say this but you push through it and it's really really good and to me it's better than 2016 because it feels like a first person shooter going through levels rather than being locked in challenge rooms which is what the first one felt like um, so I, I loved it I thought it was great uh, I've got the, the DLC now which is a, a it feels like a different game again. It feels like it, it goes back to the 2016 version of Challenge Rooms. Um, but no, I, I really love Doom Eternal once I got over the, the, the huge learning curve of everything that you have to learn from like setting fire to things to get the ammo, to get the health, to get the whatever. Um, it's almost like a puzzle in what you have to do to, to kill everyone. Uh, I massively agree. I had the same problem, Ryan, where the first few levels I didn't enjoy it. I was like, this is not like the first game. And I remember ranting to the, the pair of you. I was the first person to play Doom Eternal, I think, of the three. And you were like, oh, 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 oh. And, I, and I was like ranting and raving. But once you get all the mechanics there, and you've got all the guns, and the game's throwing things at you to use those mechanics on, and you have to change weapons. Doom, Eternal, uh, Doom 16, you could just use any gun. But Doom Eternal, you have to change up guns for enemies. It's just brilliant. It's this perfect dance of violence and energy it's just fantastic um i would say stick with ryan because it gets a lot better the more you get into it and it's almost mark's right it's almost like it's terrible at the start of it you know in an rpg when you're just hitting things with a stick and you're waiting to get all the abilities and the weapons it's sort of like that but i would definitely say stick to it i would say the, the difficult level i play it on the hard but not super hard difficulties is a perfect balance but those first levels are a bit of a slug and yeah, the jumping sections are a bit contrived and a bit arcadey with like symbols to hit and boost pads. It feels like a game from 20 years ago that Doom never was. Well, like you might more like Unreal or Quake when you're boosting off ledges. But I'd say stick to it. Uh, it's definitely in my definitely in my highlights of the year. Yeah, it's I'm... not the difficulty that put me off. Like I don't I don't mind difficult games. I quite enjoy difficult games. I mean, I'm the advocate. I'll always for Halo on Legendary First Now. Who I like difficult games. I enjoy overcoming the challenge. It's not the difficulty that puts me off Eternal. It's the needless complexity where I, I, the way I describe it would be music analogy would be Doom 2016 was heavy metal, whereas Doom Eternal's prog rock. It's overly complicated for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's 15 minutes of a solo no one asked for. Um, 
Uh, yeah, well, I, I'd definitely say stick to it, Ryan. It's it's a highlight of the year. In my yeah, I, I would actually suggest early on, put it all the way down to casual, which is what I did, just to get through the tutorials mm. and understand nope. the mechanics of it all. Don't worry about, nope. about the difficulty. Just put it down so you understand what it's teaching you. And after that, I slowly ramped the difficulty back up again um, because you you are being bombarded with constant upgrades and tutorials and things. It's It's too much too quickly. I understand it, just don't like it. Like it's it's the whole oh I must jump and then freeze in the air to shoot this weak point on an enemy to then land and die, die. no I just give me the fucking shotgun and let me shoot things. <laughs> I'm about the weak points. Like I never bothered with all the sniping stuff. I would just go in with a super shotgun and, and smash their faces. Well, here's the thing on hard run. You need to do that. There's a bus. There's one bus where you categorically have to have perfect sniper shots on certain enemies with the machine gun. Ever she went doing it. it. That was definitely the hardest thing at the part of the game. But um. Yeah, well, so when we're on the sorry, when we're on the subject of uh, uh, old games being reinvented into new versions, you are playing Resident Evil Three at the moment, Ryan, which came out in early I, April. I am. I feel like I should always do my year and review the year after the year. Like I should review twenty twenty and twenty twenty two, but I've actually got around to playing the games in twenty twenty. Um, but no, I mean, I'm enjoying Resident Evil Three. It kind of feels like a cheap cash grab because they had the engine already built from Resident Evil Two remake. Uh, but it's fun. It just feels like Res 2. I guess because, I don't know if I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but Resident Evil 3, the original, is my favourite Resident Evil game. So it kind of feels like, well, you've chopped all this content out and changed the pacing, and this isn't the game I played as like a, what, how old I was? A 13 uh, when it came out originally. So uh, I'm a little bit butthurt that they've changed things, but at the same time, it is still great. Uh, I played 2 and 3, and I think that's a fair fair review. Um I don't really, I didn't really like Resident Evil Three because of Nemesis, but I don't think Three is anywhere near as good as Two. Other than the first hour, where they put a lot of effort into the, making it action-packed when you run away from Nemesis, that I, I don't know if you've seen or played that section, Mark, but it's fucking great. You're like, oh, this is fantastic. This is totally different for Resident Evil, but it's not bad in a, like a Resident Evil Six action-packed COD way. Um, it works really well, and then it just goes into normal Resident Evil. But Three doesn't doesn't stand out to me from any of the Resident Evils. That like the remake doesn't jump on top or of a list or anything that, that would make me say play these games one thing that it does it does uphold from the original is my disdain for playing as Carlos <laughs> just like why <laughs> don't want to they stop forcing me to play as this idiot where's Jill um, I did have the DLC to put Jill back in her original costume which I immediately did because Resident Evil 3 no, I don't want I want Resident Evil 3 remade not redressed like give me Jill's boob tube and miniskirt it might be impractical but I don't care. Fair enough. Uh, have you even played three? Yet, have you, Mark? No, I've not played it yet. You, you probably should do. I mean, oh, you, I'll get round to it at some point. Yeah, it'll be on my account, so it'll be free. And again, another game where we've gone from a nostalgic remake is probably the biggest boy on the list: Final Fantasy VII remake, which people waited for for years and years with no clarification, and then all of a sudden, bam, it was here. Um, we had a podcast Ryan, where I had a massive whinge about Final Fantasy VII remake, and you. Loved Final Fantasy and remake. I, I yeah, I I don't know. I I I liked it a lot more than I thought it would, and I said I was going to. The combat to me was fine, a bit shit in parts, but brilliant in others. I think they depended on the bosses though. Sometimes it felt like this fantastic, fast-paced, almost doom like doom eternal like system of quickly making choices and moving from one to the other. And other battles, I was like, this is terrible. This is action garbage, and I'm just bouncing around the screen, and it doesn't feel like an RPG to me, but. Um, 
God knows how long it'll be till the next game. Yeah, I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll probably get we'll probably get Final Fantasy sixteen before we get remake part two. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm saying probably that's practically confirmed at this point. To be fair. Yeah. Um, I don't like the changes they've made. To the, we won't say anything to Mark because he'll be spoiled. But I don't like the changes they've made to the story at all. Where you a little bit more excited on it? I guess I'm because it's again. I would actually. It's the same thing we said before of. What the fans really wanted when they kept asking for a remake was a remaster. They wanted the exact same game that just looked gorgeous. Um, and Square have gone, no, we're going to remake the game. And they're changing things. And there's, I'm excited for some of the potential... It's really hard to talk about, about spoilers. Um, the changes they've put in there, I'm quite excited about. And I want to see where it goes. Um, I would definitely prefer that to just playing a pretty version of 7. Because... Seven's a great game. If I want to just experience the original again, I'll just play the original again. I don't I don't feel like I'm going through the old Final Fantasy at the minute. I'm currently middle of Final Fantasy three on the DS. It looking golden gated isn't remotely affecting me enjoying the game. Oh, I feel like if I wanted to play an old Final Fantasy, I could just play an old one. But you don't need to make it look pretty. So I'm glad they're changing things and mixing things up. Because it keeps it fresh and exciting. But it did have Tifa's apps. Tifa had some impressive apps. Oh, she did. Um I mean you know, you can tell we've progressed as, as a gaming community over years because we're talking about Tifa. We're not talking about Tifa's a giant Tifa's. Yeah. I mean, to get another, another job jumped in there, you know, we're not talking about Puff Puff. We're just talking about Tifa's abs. Um, um, Tifa yeah. was the most fun in that game. Like, when you start playing it, Mark, I promise you that you'll play some of the characters. The second you get the chance to control Tifa, you'll be like, this is way more fun. Forget Cloud. And you'll just only want to play as Tifa. You're just the punching. combat being and kicking and it, oh, it's just her combat's way more dynamic and interesting than throw spells air is boring to play as because it's you know swing swing a staff and some magic kids Barrett is just like playing any kind of third person shooter Cloud swings a sword so you kind of you've done it all but Tifa's so dynamic in comparison the way you can combo her normal abilities together with her special moves it all just flows really well so if they made Final Fantasy Remake Part 2 and you only played as Tifa I'd be like fine that's okay that's what I'm going to do anyway yeah, finish finish up seven original mark and give it a try. Um, will do. It's, it's on my shelf and has been for many months. <laughs> well done. Welcome to, Ryan, welcome to Ryan's way of gaming. Um, so yeah, Tifa was a fighter, and so was Streets of Rage four, which came out. And everyone, well, I think you know more about this, Mark. But everyone was a little bit unhappy with the art style or how it was it came across originally. Yeah, it, the original trailer made it look a bit like a flash game. Um, but you know, most games are not shown off their first time being final. Uh, so I think most people need to understand, like, hey, it can be better, and it did come out looking much better. Um, yeah, I think it's like a, a perfect, uh, I wouldn't say remake, but yeah, a perfect sequel to, to this genre, this series, um, exactly what I wanted. Like, if they'd made it fully 3D and everything else, it, it wouldn't have worked. Um, I think this is what people wanted, and it, it worked really, really well, and everyone was surprised at how good it actually was. Yeah, and they put online in it as well, which is something that infuriates me with games that come out when they make an old-style game, and they don't put online uh, carp in it, which is just dumb. No, because Streets of Rage 4 is a game you're meant to play over and over again and complete within an hour or two. Um, it's not a one-and-done game. So having online and being like, hey, do you want to have, like, you know, do you want to play a couple of levels and then we'll move on to something else? It's, it's perfect for it. Yeah. Um, Streets of Rage 4, I'll go on a limb here and say it's the best scrolling beat-em-up I've ever played and has ever been made. I think it's brilliant. 
absolutely brilliant it's it's very good it has lots of callbacks to the rest of the series uh, especially like some of the characters and the it's got an actual story this time um, there's some really cool scenes in it um, yeah it's one I would definitely say play it's it's not a long game but it's a game that you're, you're it's designed for you to come back and play again and again yeah definitely um definitely jump on Ryan and we'll we'll play some levels on it at some point I want to play it. I mean, obviously, when you and Mark were first playing it, you had lots of connection issues where it would just drop one of you out of the game, yeah. um, which was a little off-putting. And I was just trying to wait to find one of the group who were like, yeah, I'll play it for you, you know, start to finish. You hadn't already experienced it. Um, but I guess I'll go ahead and play it at some point. Um, okay, so we're going to move on to June. Uh, Mark, we've got Command & Conquer Remastered Collection. I don't think too much to talk about on that one, but we're both enjoying it. But at the same time, it's a, it hasn't aged well. No, so it's the perfect remaster. Like, as a remaster, it's 10 out of 10. Uh, you know, they've updated all the graphics, and they they look how you remember them. Like, you go the, the way the game starts is it shows you the old graphics, and it makes you push a button to update all your HUD and everything to the new one, and that's, like, a really cool effect. Um, but they, ha they haven't changed the style or anything. It look looks great. The only issue I kind of have is it plays like the, the 1995 original, where the the difficulty and the the AI and stuff is not quite there so there's lots of bumps and lumps in it um, but generally it's the exact same game you played back then just modernized for a newer computer um, I'm really enjoying it it's, you know if you love Command and Conquer go and get it it's cheap um, perfect remaster in my yeah it's um even when on sale and in full price it's still a really good price um, so there's a few more things on the list of that month, um, which is June, but they're not particularly interesting or something we've played. I don't think Jump Rope Challenge is something we're going to be talking too much about. Um, the biggest name that jumps out on there, though, is The Last of Us Part 2. I haven't played <laughs> Last of Us Part 2. Ryan thinks it's amazing. Mark, you've played it. Uh, I don't know if you two want to have a whole podcast on this or how much you want to talk about the most controversial game of the year. I mean, I'm just going to probably end up repeating half of what I repeated during the like Last of Us 2 episode we did. Um, but it was phenomenal. Voice acting was the voice acting was great. Performance was great. Graphics were great. Gameplay was great. wasn't perfect. Um, but yeah, as far as a whole experience, zero complaints, really. See, I'm a, I'm a little bit cooler on it. Uh, I feel like it was a little overly long, especially the early sections. Um there's a lot of like the combat that could have been cut down it does have the naughty dog issue of one man army um, I felt like I destroyed thousands of people uh, during my playthrough um, which, which doesn't feel quite right in the world and I guess the, the biggest issue is maybe like the world we live in right now is you know it's not great out there and The Last of Us Part 2 does not have a hint of happiness in it at all everything is out there to kill you um, and and it's draining because it's it's a long game of just just constantly being battered. Um, you know, Ryan's right; it, it has like a lot going for it, definitely. But I don't think it is is as great as a lot of people say. It's just because it's a little long, and it's a little bit too punishing mentally, I guess. See, I didn't mind it being mentally draining once you leave the little setup they've got because the home they all have, because we've got doing like houses, it felt really kind of homely and like a good community in there, even though. You know that everyone in there was quite nice, um, but that was like oh, there's the safety in the home they've got, and then they had to leave that where the danger was. And I quite, I quite liked that because it felt like, well, now I'm in the dangerous part of the world. So if I am being attacked by a horde of twenty nut jobs, that's because I've left the safety of the community they've got at home. 
which sounds weirdly xenophobic. Um, but yeah, I didn't mind that. Um, yeah, I get what you mean there about Naughty Dog and the, okay, I think there's 10 enemies in this area. I'll take them all out. I've been spotted. Suddenly there's 55 running at me and I'm like, what the? Okay, I guess I'll run off. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think, I, I think yeah, like the Grand Theft Auto issue for me of like you enter the enemy area and everyone instantly turns to you and shoots you, no questions asked. Like they don't know who you are or if you're even part of their like big collective of people. Um, yeah, but that's what really uniforms are for, Mark. If you've got a crazy robe on, you're probably a nut job. And if you look like you're in, you know, the military, you probably want to abby's lot. And if you need one of them two, we are probably dangerous anyway. Like I probably wouldn't wait if you know if we would go to go look for some toilet roll in the middle of the first lockdown. I probably wouldn't have stopped to ask a question. I'd want that two-ply, you know what I mean? So, I, I guess that's yeah. the thing for me. It's trying to ground itself in some kind of realism, but there's little bits that pull you out of it constantly. Um, and especially towards the end of the game, it does like a, a little fake ending and goes on again. Um, yeah, I, I think if it had been half the length, or even two games, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. It's not. It's certainly not a bad game. Um, I do just think the the length and maybe some of the pacing issues uh, bring it down slightly for me. And that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, there's there's a part where you get that fake ending that Mark's talking about, and we'll try not to say any spoilers. Which for character arc and character development is essential. You need to have that character be where she is and then leave that to do what she needs to do, and it kind of shows, I guess, her weakness as a person or the failure of the world she was brought up in. Um, but you need that. But if that was a movie, it would be fine because you'd have a scene of her where she is and then she'd leave where you wouldn't have stealth sections stuffed between the two that kind of drag the pace out. So for a character arc, it was definitely, definitely essential. But it's almost as if at times they forgot the medium they were using. And like, you're not a movie, you're a game. So it should labour towards that as opposed to being, oh, here's all these cinematic, wonderful moments. Don't always translate well in a game. Uh, good, clear, concise points from the pair of you. No one mentioned lesbians or sent a death threat. Well done. You're done. You're oh. better, than, better than most Last of Us fans oh. already. <laughs> um, other games of the month. So we'll move on because I feel like Ryan wants to say more about The Last of Us too. Just, I just get really upset at people getting upset at like, this kind of stuff. It's just ridiculous. I do, the world we live in nowadays is crazy and it's nothing to do with COVID. It's weird. So what we need need is a superhero, which we got in Marvel's Iron Man VR, which I played at Mark's, which was a lot of fun. Um, I haven't played much VR, but that was a really good game, Ryan. I feel like you'd love it. What was great is that to do his his, his thrusters on his suit, you actually have to move your hands down in the same position he would when he's propelling himself forward. So that was was very cool. That was cool. Hopefully we'll get to play more VR games if, if Mark buys them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Iron Man VR was, was very cool. There's a little bit of oddness in that you have to stand up vertically, which if you're Iron Man going you know, across the sky, you wouldn't be standing up, you'd be lying down, which you know, is it's, it's a limitation that you can't really get around. <laughs> Mark's on a giant harness in his room, so he's got 360 <laughs> rotation. <Yeah. laughs> um, but you know, like, like the Batman VR game was, was perfect. This is, is like that, I guess a bit more janky. Um, you know, graphically, it's not quite as nice. It's trying to push VR a bit further, um, giving you a bit more freedom compared to Batman VR. Um, but you know, it it does make you feel like you're Iron Man doing Iron Man stuff. Um, so yeah, very impressive. I I really liked it. That's uh, that's definitely a game to check out. 
Um, Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding were two games that came out uh, that month. Death Stranding came out on PC, but none of us played it on PlayStation originally, but it is one of the big releases. Ghost of Tsushima, you played and reviewed for Game Hype, didn't you, Ryan? I did. Um, it's definitely a game that's fantastic, but also hype and fandom, I think, blind people to some of its issues a little bit. Um, I remember about four or five hours into it, you asking me what it was like. And I was like, it's great, but it's a bit like a Ubisoft game in the sense of here's a shadow-filled map that you've then got to explore and complete the same types of missions over and over again to uncover the whole area. And it, once I started to notice that and it felt a bit Assassin's Creed or Far Cry, my love for it fell off a little bit. Everything about everything else about the game was great. Like, I really enjoyed the combat. The different stances were cool. The story was interesting, even though, I mean, I still haven't finished it. Um, but I feel like I know where the story's going, which I'll be annoyed if I guess the story like 10 minutes into the game because it's always frustrating when you do that. But yeah, it was visually pretty, um, but it's not a masterpiece. It's just good. Yeah, it's a game I'm going to wait for the PS5 to play, Mark. Uh, when I do eventually get a PS5, I'm not sure I'll play the updated version of the DLC. Yeah, it's uh, it's on my list to play basically after Last of Us 2, which I've just finished. So Yeah, um game I did play at yours, Mark, was Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, a game I feel like much my experience of Fallout, of Fall Guys, Ryan, was I played it for 20 minutes, I went, this is fun, and then I didn't want to play it again. Fair. I still haven't played it. It looks fun, but... Which I think sums up the whole... Um, gaming and a lot of these at these times where something will come out it'll be the biggest thing in the world and no one will care about it in a few weeks yeah it's uh it's a fun kind of battle royale sort of game um probably more fun with friends playing for now or so um but yeah it's it's, it's not kept my attention no before no. we before we go into july can we just go back slightly and talk about carry on yes if you want to um so I, I really I really like Carrion. Uh, it's a really short game. Um, it's kind of like a Metroid game, but not quite because you're not really doing too much backtracking. Uh, but playing as like a, a a movie monster as you've got to escape the facility, I really really enjoyed it. Um, its length was perfect. If it was any longer, it would have got dull. Um, but there was so much fun just grabbing the scientists and. And teasing the other scientists by like dangling them ab above or tearing them apart or smashing them against like the walls and stuff. Um, I feel like you could put this in front of someone and really learn a lot about them. Um, and how they treat, like, <laughs> You're gonna say, sounds like we're learning about you. <laughs> how, they, how, they, how they treat you know the scientists and whatever. Um, you know the the monster. You've got you've got a lot of stuff you can do with like how you want to sneak around the base or how you want to like smash your way through it. Um, it, it tells an interesting story with no cutscenes, pretty much, and no dialogue or anything. Um, I really, really liked it, so I would definitely say check out Carry On. Uh, yeah, I did miss that one, I have to admit, when I was looking down. Um, next on the list, I guess, big game was Total War Troy. I won't go into Total War chat. That'll be for the uh, OnlyFans video of me talking about Warhammer for four hours, but I won't talk about uh, Troy. Um, it's a boring setting. And it pissed everyone off because it went on Epic Games instead of Steam, so the models were angry. Uh, PC games-wise, there's Microsoft Flight Simulator, which I think is a game we'll probably check out when it comes to Xbox Series X because it needs a bit of a beefy PC to play. Um, next, right, so when we talk about Street Rage 4, I said how Street Rage 4 was a perfect fighting game. Uh, next is Battletoads, which I don't think it is a perfect fighting game at all. No, like, you've played it a little bit more than me, I've, I've played a little bit less. Um, 
I thought it was overly messy. It was very hard at times to find where my character was on screen when three of us were playing and it's filled with enemies. Uh, uh, graphically, it looks quite nice and the cutscenes are kind of funny. And it's, You can see what it's trying to do. It's just not quite there. It's, it feels a little bit underbaked in terms of like the combat. It doesn't feel quite right. Um, it's probably worth a playthrough since it's on Game Pass. Um, but yeah, Streets of Rage I'd come back to time and time again. Battletoads, I'm not sure I would go back after playing through it once. So we didn't have that messy problem when we played it, Ryan, the two of us. It was fine. Um, but yeah, when the three of us played it, I didn't have a clue what was going on. It was so hard to touch. The problem is the game has enemies where you're clearly meant to dodge their attacks rather than just you know get hit a little bit because they took off so much damage when they hit you. It was ridiculous. Um, however, Mark, me and Ryan did have fun doing the classic jet bike section. <laughs> which was just oh, cool. how long were we on that one bloody level I actually remember it was something like 15, 12 or 15 minutes and it it felt longer just like the original then, perfect game brilliant it, yeah, it, was, brilliant. Just, it was just that it was it got so bad at it that it went from being frustrating or fully into hilarious and then every time we'd smack into a wall we'd just be in a fit of hysterics and then smack into a wall while laughing and it just this cycle repeated for 15 minutes then it was probably the highlight of the game, even though it was the worst bit. Yeah, I think I think the problem as well is there might be four or five of those levels, so I don't think we'll fall that way towards the end of the game. <laughs> so, no. Um, tell me why it came out, Mark, in the in, in the same month of August, and then on to obviously next prior weeks. I was disappointed with it. I did not really enjoy it that much. I wasn't interested in the story, and I feel like the game had this weird storytelling of they were simply trying to find out about their their mother's history and then other stuff will be thrown in that didn't need to be thrown in and it, no I didn't do anything for me so yeah coming from the, the Life is Strange devs uh, with a, a new brand but basically Life is Strange free I guess uh, you know I was excited and interested um, by, but you're right the the game is deeply average just because the story uh, doesn't have a hook um, they, they tried to do it they set it up very early on that's uh, the mother is killed by one of the children um, but there's, there's no real kind of payoff for that like I don't know there's, there's just not enough of a compelling reason to play the game to find out the story because the story's kind of already done at the, at the very beginning um, and you're just learning a bit more about the characters um, I quite like the setting and stuff like that but, but yeah it's probably one to skip really yeah I wouldn't recommend it Ryan I mean the story also jumps um deeply into a puddle about the uh, the transition of a, a one of the sisters into a brother and it's not going to sound mean but I didn't give a shit and I don't think it added anything to the story um, the, 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 the brother the transitioning brother also comes across as quite aggressive to people at times and you could argue maybe that's just because of his life but I don't, he didn't do anything for me and I'd probably say it's a skip I mean, I remember the announcement trailer and thinking, oh, interesting. And then by the time it got around to coming out, I just didn't have any interest left. No, no. I kind of feel Don't Nod are kind of stretching themselves a bit thin because their next game, uh, I forget the title of it, which I believe has already come out, uh, the reviews for that haven't been very positive either. Um, and it seems they're almost going like the telltale route of releasing too much of the same stuff too quickly. Uh, and it's getting a bit generic, so... Yeah, not a bit, of a bit of a disappointment. If we had a disappointment list, it would be on it. Um, there's other games. I haven't thought. I haven't thought about Telltale in. 
I mean, this year, I think, well, last year, I think, like, it was very long, but, yeah, Mark said that. It was like he was talking about a retro game. I was like, oh, yeah, Telltale, they were a thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, bit of a shame, though. Bit of a shame. Um, also on the list, we've got uh, Leisure Suit Larry Wet Dreams Don't Dry. Did anyone play that? No, but the title's hilarious. No, okay. No, <laughs> no one's going to admit to playing that one. Um, okay, scrolling down a bit more. Crisis Remastered. I don't think anyone cared. Uh, when that came out, uh, Wasteland Three is apparently really good, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Well, you've, um, you've skipped uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two. Great, go on, Mark. Talk no. about a Tony Hawk's game. Okay, Tony Hawk's One and Two are some of the best games ever made. This remaster is absolutely amazing. Uh, I'm sure you remember Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD from you know ten years or so back, which was an absolute mess. Um, this is a perfect remake. Like the. The graphics are amazing. It feels and plays exactly like the originals. Um, but you're getting two games for the price of one. They've, they've combined them into the, the package really well. Uh, if you have any interest in the Pro Skater series, get get this game um, because you'll you'll really enjoy going back to it. I'm fully with Mark on the love for this game because Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is probably the only sports game that transcend, transcended the sport itself. So people who play like football play FIFA, people who like hockey play NHL and so on and so forth. I know people, including myself, who have no real interest in skateboarding that enjoy the hell out of the pro skater games. Um, I could sit and play them for hours because they're just fun games to play. You've got no chance of getting me on skateboarding in real life, and I don't care to, um, which I don't think other sports games do. I feel like you already have to be invested in the sport to want to play the sports game, but that's not the case with Tony Hawks. It's a fun game. You can play it. Activision have done another great remaster after like Crash and Spyro. Um, this follows on in that trajectory I guess so I'm looking forward to more Activision remasters to be honest and let's face it it was a year of remasters there were so many like Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning came out and I remember playing the original briefly and being like oh this is this was fun but it felt huge and you know what I'm like when there's huge games I get scared and run away and play Halo again um, <laughs> <laughs> but the remake of this I, I keep staring at on my Xbox going oh I should buy this even though I own the original version on back compat but i'm still like maybe i should give that a go because it, it's the same game just looks prettier um but yeah i'm just I'm getting bored of remakes to be honest well i'm gonna mention another remake then uh super mario 3d all-stars uh oh, that, re- that wasn't a remake mark that was a re-release oh god <laughs> sort of i guess um you know but having Mario sunshine and galaxy all on one cartridge um great no issues there. Love love those games, um, and you know, for for forty quid for free, you know, amazing three D platformers. Uh, I don't think you can go too wrong with that. I mean, they could have added some more tracks, audio tracks yeah, I, to the game. I, I, I guess that's the biggest complaint is basically they put no effort into it. They just put the free games in, pretty much as is. Um, Sunshine got a, a little bit of an update, I guess. Um, but yeah, where was all the behind-the-scenes stuff? Where's all the the music tracks? Where's all the the actual book showing all the art and stuff like? For the 35th anniversary, they did the bare minimum on this. Yeah, I feel like there was a meeting at Nintendo, and they were like, "Could you stick those three on a game? Like, Do you want to do any work on them?" Nah, Nintendo fans will buy it anyway. Just re-release it. Yeah, like there's two two opinions I have with this. Nintendo are always tight. Ty- like with money and doing things they do the bare minimum for stuff like this but also the other rumor is that this game was developed in like four or five months um and might have been because of covid pushing back their other titles so there was like quick what can we do to to get a, a game out for the anniversary date that's not going to take a lot of time and this was it 
okay. Right, so uh, we're in the month of October, you know, the, the nights are drawing in. Um, Star Wars Squadron has come out to give you a warm bit of fuzzy feeling of Star Wars now the summer's over, Ryan, or was it a bit boring? bit boring. It was, well, honestly, it wasn't boring. Um, it's fine. It's just slow. Um, and not in like a, oh, run, it's technical, you have to, because it's not technical, is it really? You're basically choosing between shields, weapons, and, you know, power. Like, it's not a deep game. It was just slow. It wasn't exciting. The The combat in Star Wars Battlefront 2 was much better than the ship-to-ship combat in Squadrons. Which, let's face it, it's clearly meant to be a VR game. When you're playing it not in VR and moves the camera to look in the cockpit, your arms are these, like, flat, cardboard-thin things that, like, flopped over the controls and it looked awful. And, I don't know, it just felt like a really low-effort fire it out because you've got the Star Wars license. It really gives a crap. I mean, if it's an EA game that comes out of 30 quid, you know someone's up because it's EA and they never... (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like... No microtransactions this time. I think you're right, though. It was a VR game. They was like, how can we get this out to a wider audience? I know, let's take the VR out. Um, I think if you played it in VR, you probably would have enjoyed it a a whole lot more. And it has the classic, let's explore the Empire, but only through the eyes of either a turncoat or a fanatic. There's never like a balanced view of the Empire in Star Wars. Well, not very often, at least, especially in games. And that always frustrates me, because the, the very first mission is the, like, commander of this TIE squadron betraying the Empire to help the rebels um, and then you basically play as like the what how dare he the Empire is the best thing ever and then you play as the nut job on the other side and then you switch between you know good and evil I guess as the game would see it and I just find it a bit dull as a narrative it's like Star's Battlefront 2 had Iden Versio who was this diehard Imperial for all of a level and a half and then suddenly switched to the Rebellion which just felt rushed to me and I'm just getting tired of why every single time we play a Star Wars game do I ever have to play as a fanatic or a turncoat? I don't, why can't I play as the middle? Why can't I just be a guy who, you know what, the Empire actually really helped his section of space in his life. You know, his, his family aren't getting raided by pirates every fortnight. He just, you know, the Empire worked for him and I'm assuming the Empire worked for huge sections of space. And I'd just like to see that perspective in a game where someone would you know what, the Empire made my life better than it was before so I'm going to defend it. Well, can I tell you something else that was a bit dull that we've just skipped? Uh, that was Super Mario Bros. 35, which was Nintendo's Battle Royale game. Um, so, like, Tetris uh, 99, which was an amazing take on, on Battle Royale in Tetris. Like, who imagined that would be, ever be a, a great thing? Uh, no one, Mark. For, yeah, but it, but, it, but, it, but, it, but it was great, and it is great, and people still play it now. Uh, Mario Bros. 35 tried to do that, but it doesn't work. Um it's kind of dull the, there is less skill involved and I think most people have dropped off it very quickly so I never actually played this so it's basically lots of people playing Mario at once and as you progress through the levels or the level, the stage it makes it harder for the other people so as so you like defeat an enemy it would drop to say your screen yes so like like Tetris 99 you can pick where like the, the enemies you hit get put on someone else's screen the problem is it's time-based, so when you run out of time, that's where your game over happens if you don't die. Now, killing enemies gives you time, so if you're given more enemies, then you'll get given more time if you can kill them. Uh, so it, it, it kind of doesn't work like you're, you're being, it's being made more difficult for you because you're getting more enemies, but 
then you're killing them so you get more time which means you've got longer to survive so you can take more time to kill the enemies uh, oh, okay. so yeah it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't work trying to rip off Tetris 99's way because it, it doesn't like make things harder it makes things easier in a sense um, which is why most people dropped off it uh, and you're also not all playing the same level at the same time uh, there's a couple of different bits of levels in rotation and you can like start them at different ways um, which can make things easier or harder depending on what you choose to do so yeah it's it's a disappointment uh, it's a shame it's going to go in March because they're, they're getting rid of it for some reason um, but yeah not, not as good as Tetris 99 Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not glancing over the Nintendo stuff, Mark. I, th I thought you'd be more the one to jump on those because uh, you are the Nintendo uh, guy of the uh, geeks of critical nature, um, which is why I think you should talk about Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. Uh, I really want it. Really, really want it. I don't want to pay hundred pound for it. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is far too overpriced like yes I'm sure it's got a camera and it's made by Nintendo blah 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 uh, it's a go-kart at the end of the day um, that's probably really cool to use and fun if you've got a big sized American sized living room um, but for me it's it's £50 too much if it's £50 instant buy probably even buy a two you know if you could buy two carts for £100 you could see the appeal then yeah I don't £100 a cart I don't get the idea or logic that you're going to be happy paying that for one cart. I don't want to drive around a Mario Kart on my own. I'll, that's a you know a fun party game to me. Yeah, just I, ridiculous I the to only sell them individually. And the tech and everything... Well, yeah, like the, the tech and everything apparently is really, really good. But there's no way I'm going to get all four of you guys to spend £100 each to give this a go and then probably never play it again. Nope. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yes. nope. this is Nintendo's problem with a lot of their stuff. They release it like Labo at a really high price, and then they wonder why it doesn't sell. And they go, "Oh, it failed." It's like, yeah, because you didn't price it at like the right point. You was, you was getting a bit too greedy. And yes, that means you can be successful because you you know you make a small amount and you make them at a high price. Um, but it could have been so much bigger at a at half the price. Uh, we move on to the month of November, which of course is the release of the big boy consoles, the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, all came around the same sort of time. Uh, all November it seems to be filled with is games that have already been out before. There's obviously re-releases and remasters and updated versions. There's not really much I can see there. Watch Dogs Legion, none of us played. Spider-Man Marvels and Rallys, I think maybe you two will probably want to play at some point. Uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm struggling to see how it's not just an expansion. Um, there could have been DLC. Apparently, according to many, many people, I'm wrong. And it's fantastic and amazing and you need to play it and yada, 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 yada. Um, then there's the weird change that they've made Peter look like Tom Holland instead of Peter. But but it's, it's come out £50 for, you know... Let, let's be generous and say it's a 15 hour game compared to the originals like 30, 40 hour it's 50 pound for what is what you say like a DLC add-on um, it should have been priced cheaper well, I mean, yeah, like, a lot of the defenders of this I've seen have basically been saying like well Call of Duty Black Ops looked this long to finish and basically listed a bunch of games that were full retail releases that lasted a shorter amount of time than Miles and to me, that was a complete backwards way of looking at it. Like, just because other games are worth value for money doesn't make Miles good value for money. It just means that there's lots of games that aren't worth the initial asking price. 
Um, and it's, I mean, I like Miles as far as like Marvel characters go. I'm a much bigger Miles fan than I am a Peter fan. Um, but again, it's just, he's still a spider. So based on all the abilities and suit powers you get in the base game, I don't really think how the gameplay with Miles is going to massively differ as well. So yeah, great. I'm playing as Miles and I get some Miles content, but the gameplay itself is still going to feel almost exactly the same because he's still a spider. Yeah, if it only came out on PS4, um, I don't think it'd be as highly praised as it is. Um, but as a, a launch game for PS5, showing off all the, the ray tracing and stuff, then yeah, great. It's it's more of the same, I guess is what I'm saying. That's good. Yeah. Um, there's, there's lots of other games to talk about in that December-November uh, period. We could talk about the Series X and the PlayStation 5 itself. Mark, I don't know if you want to, you know, because we're nearly at our time limit. Mark, do you want to briefly talk about Astro Boy and how impressive that is with the controller? Well, Astro Boy is a, a, an anime, so I'm going to talk about Astro Bot. Damn, did I read that wrong? <laughs> yes. I clearly did, yes. <laughs> uh, so, so Astro Bot uh, had a VR game which was really amazing, like a, a Mario-inspired, or Crash Bandicoot-inspired, I guess, uh, 3D platformer in VR. Astro Bot for PS5 was the free packing game, um, which initially sounded like a bit of a down, like, oh, it's going to be a tech demo. Uh, it's not a long game. It's probably about six hours, but it's a game you're gonna rinse. You're gonna you're gonna want to platinum it uh, by doing every single thing possible. And firstly, it's a really fun, inventive 3D platformer. Absolutely great. Sony have absolutely nailed the Nintendo-style 3D platform in there. Uh, it has loads of nostalgia for like PlayStation, so it's it's a real showcase for like the history of PlayStation. So there's all sorts of characters in there. So you've got the the Astrobots dressing up as like Solid Snake and hiding under a box, and there's uh, Cloud Sword uh, in there, and there's there's loads of this throughout of just like oh that's like something from a game that I know. Like there's a reference that I get there. Uh, that's really cool. But I guess the biggest thing is how it uses the PS5 controller and shows off the adaptive triggers and the rumble and the uh, speaker in it. Um, that is game changing. Like it's it's not something you can show on screen. You have to feel it in your hand. Like as you're like playing through the game, going through a level, running through the rain. You can feel the rain in the controller. You can hear it coming out of the controller. So that creates like a different effect. And then using the triggers is really interesting. Um, so there's like one moment that, that kind of stands out for me is like a small subtle thing. It's where you are in uh, the main hub world and there's a like a UFO crane game sort of thing where you pick out an item and you have to open it and crush it and you have to use the triggers for that and you can feel the resistance of the object being like dense and you have to push in harder to, to squeeze it and break it open. Um, and it uses that a lot and that was really effective and, and I know you enjoyed it when you, you had a go of it Neil I did I did indeed I was very impressed by the technology <laughs> uh, no no I was, I was very <laughs> um, I was very impressed by the technology of it rather than the game but then like you said before it's built the game is built around the technology other than the other way around um, the 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 triggers, I don't know if I would like those. I think you'd hate those, Ryan, when playing a shooter. You have to squeeze the triggers a bit harder because of resistance. It sounds very impressive, but my, my main issue is how is it going to be integrated outside of first-party games? And the answer is it isn't. Oh, yeah, that's, no, it's, it's been put in some games. Like, so Call of Duty has it, so great for the single player. Multiplayer, you'd turn it off instantly. Uh, Spider-Man has it and stuff. So I, I think it will get some use, but probably not as great as what Astro Bot's done. Yeah, it's mostly like the 
the touchpad trackpad, whatever the frick it was on the PS4 controller, that only saw use in a couple of first party games. And I was like, well, who really cares that it's there? Um, so I don't know. But I mean, I, I will get a PS5 when Final Fantasy 16 releases and I'll play Astro Bot then. Right. So, you know what? It's been a long, long year. I was actually thinking, uh, Ryan, about video game movies because I, I read here that Sonic the Hedgehog movie came out in February. I was like, wow, it came out in February. It feels a lot, lot longer, like two years maybe since I saw that movie. And I remembered we went to New York in March. That's only nine months ago. Um, yep. It's been a long year. It's felt like a long year. Um, hopefully 2021 will be better. Um, there is one game left on the list, which I don't think we're going to talk about now because um, it stands out. And we'll just be repeating ourselves. And that is uh, Cyberpunk, of course. Um, Mark's played a lot of it. Me and Ryan have immediately dumped it off because I, simply for simple reason, I don't want to play a game until it's actually finished. I don't see why I'm not playing the game in its best possible state. So I was going to wait anyway for the Xbox Series X enhanced version. And right now, I don't feel like I want to play it until it's it feels like it's ready. Maybe wait for the DLC. Mark, though, you have been enjoying it. If you just want to quickly. Yeah. So you you can hear my thoughts on the uh, previous episode about Cyberpunk. I'm mm. really enjoying it. Uh, I'm playing it on the One X console. Um, generally, not coming across too many bugs. At least, not anything that's really game breaking. Uh, it's more just visual things. Um, I think it's fine. Like as as it is, it looks great on the the One X. Uh, the frame rate's generally holding up. Um, yeah, like if you've got a base console, you'd probably skip it. If you've got one of the newer ones, then probably jump right in. Um, I mean, initially, I was in the same camp of Neil of oh, I'll wait for the the optimized update where it's going to be in 4k or 60fps whatever you know to play to play for the reasons i bought an xbox series x um but then as it came out and we saw the problems and all the shady practices um like you know lying to investors and only releasing review codes for the next gen and pc version i'm almost like morally put off playing the game now i'm like well clearly there was some shady crap going on and it's just kind of ruined the hype of the game for me because i'm like oh so you were basically just lying shit to the entire development cycle. But that's just me, I guess. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up, Ryan, do you have a particular game that stands out for you playing in 2020? And we had an argument earlier that I wanted you to pick 2020 games, but if you want to mention something that you played last year, well, a game from last year that you played this year, that's fine too. Anything that stands out for you? I mean, you'll probably slap me if I say the Master Chief Collection again. Uh, <laughs> 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 um you know what? One game I did really enjoy last year, um, which I also think came out last year, weirdly timely for me, was a Little Misfortune, which was a really weird side-scrolling game where you basically choice and consequence gameplay. You'd be asked a question, and based on what you chose to do at that moment, would have consequences later on in the game. But it's so weird. Um, it starts off with a narrator, and this little girl is like eight, and she's called Misfortune, um, and she's just sat there playing. And the narrator's like, "Today is the day she's going to die." And you're like, oh my god, what? Uh, and then she's like, what did you say about dying? You're like, nothing, dear. We didn't say anything. And basically, the narrator, you realise pretty quickly, is evil, um, and you play for it. But it's so weird. There's a strip club for hamsters in it. Um, it, oh, I can't explain to you how weird this game is without <laughs> you playing it. Um, there's a part where you have to like, you're you walk to a tree. This will be the, probably the first moment in the shark tree, but it's not won't be the only one. But you walk up to a, a park, and there's a dog tied to a tree, and there's a ball on the ground. And you, you you pick up the ball and you you throw it for the dog or play with the dog or ignore the dog, 
that naturally everyone in the universe is going to pick play with the duck. So you throw the ball at the tree, which then causes a branch to drop, fall, and kill the duck. <laughs> you just like, what Jesus. the fuck is this? I was literally just like in complete shock. And then the game's morbid, morose, horrible theme pretty much continues all the way through. Um, where you've got this like adorable little character walking around being like, hello. And it's just, oh, it's adorable, but horrible and weird. And if you've not played it, I can't recommend it enough. Just just to kind of, I guess, ruin your afternoon. <laughs> it's brilliant. What a brilliant recommendation. <laughs> it's great, but it's just, it's not a friendly, fun, you know, game. It's not a Nintendo game, put it that way. Uh, and anything you absolutely detested or was disappointed with in the year? Uh, Doom Eternal? No. Fuck off. No, you know what? It was quite an uneventful year. I think we had gaming wise, to be fair. There's still lots of old stuff I'm playing through. Um, nothing massively disappointed me because there was not a lot coming out of the show I was massively hyped for to begin with. Fair enough, Mark. Same question to you. Uh, so I guess starting with disappointment, there, there's probably a lot of games that I played where I was like, oh, that wasn't quite what I was expecting. Um, I'm going to mention Golf With Your Friends that you made us play. It's <laughs> probably the worst game I've played ever in a long time. Um, <laughs> I think that game we caused probably the most heated argument Neil, Neil and I have ever had about gaming. So Just screaming the word finesse at each other. I feel like you've ganged up on me here because you both enjoy mini golf in real life. Yeah, yeah it doesn't mean it's a good game just because it's a mini golf. Well, I feel like I've made my point there. Um, so golf with friends you didn't enjoy. Yeah, thanks, thanks for uh, me trying to bring the group together in a sports-based bonding hey, session. If you want to play a golf game, play What the Golf. It's fantastic. That is true. That was a good game. Uh, so some other games I'll mention, like Deliver Us the Moon, uh, disappointed me. It, I don't know how it got the hype it did. Um, it's a very janky kind of walking simulator. Uh, yeah, I, was, I completed it, but I didn't understand the love for that one at all. And what would you say? I mean, what would you say is the best game? I can't believe you didn't say Last of Us 2, Ryan, but there we go. Um, Mark, what's your game of the year then? I don't, I'm going to mention two potentially. So I was playing Outer Wilds end of uh, 2019 into 2020. Uh, Outer Wilds is one of the best games ever. Um, absolutely amazing from like technical standpoint of you flying around your little ship, going to different worlds and being able to land on them and having different physics interactions going on. And every planet you land on acts differently. Um, but just like the story and puzzles, the way it unfolds its story is, is just amazing. Um, if you've not heard of The Outer Wilds or played it, uh, definitely check it out. Even if it doesn't look like your thing, you just, just play it. It's absolutely amazing. Um, otherwise, I'm not really sure what my game would be. Um, I would probably say maybe Astrobot, to be honest. Okay, that's, a, that's an interesting choice because of the mix of technology, new console... Yeah, it's, it's. I think it, for me, it's just a fun game. Uh, it was light-hearted. It was bright and colourful. Uh, you know, it wasn't about death and shooting and stabbing and you know everything else that goes on in, in games nowadays. It was just a really fun game, and it showed off the PS5 hardware really well. Um, yeah, I just just had a great time playing it, and I couldn't really put it down. Uh, that's good. So, yeah, I'll finish up. Uh, mine. One of my t- disappointments was probably. Tell me why. Um, because of the studio and, and 
calibre of games before it. Then again, I hated Last Life is Strange too, so maybe I shouldn't should have expected better. Um, bad games. God, I play games to achievements, so there's so many. Um, yeah, disappointment. I think Cyberpunk's disappointed me purely because of what's happened so far. I expected more from CD Projekt Red because I love The Witcher. Um, but I will say, I, well, with Ryan, I wasn't. I didn't really care too much about Cyberpunk, if I'm honest. Even though I ordered it straight away, because I'm not really a big fan of the Cyberpunk genre, and it didn't really interest me. Um, but onto the my game of the year, we've got a presentation. So I'm going to say the nominees. Yeah. So my nominees for game of the year are number one, the Half-Life remake, Black Mesa. And number two, Ori Will and the Misps. And number three. Streets of Rage 4, and lastly, Doom Eternal. Gentlemen, do you have any thoughts on what my game of the year is going to be? Uh, whichever one gave you the most achievements. Okay, Mark? <laughs> See, I feel like it might be Doom Eternal, because you really did love that, but I secretly think it might be Streets of Rage 4. Okay, then, well... A real low-key one, but I think that might be it for you. I've got the envelope here, let's open it up and find out. There's a very big envelope. Oh my god, it's a shocker. It's actually Total Warhammer 2 Greenskins DLC. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a, a good winner. A clear oh, winner I there. Did not see that one come in. Um, the Grum the Paunch DLC, which came out in March and updated the Greenskins. My favourite faction, which I never actually played before that point. So, wow, look at that. That is a big shocker for the year. Um, and maybe we'll get more shocks this year. Ne ne next time we do this, we just need to nominate Total Warhammer 2 because that's just Neil's game of the year forever now. <laughs> yeah, this could have been a much shorter podcast if it had just done Total Warhammer. And then end. Um, really, though, I don't know. It, it probably would be Doom Eternal, even if it had a rocky start. Um, Street Strange 4 was fantastic. If it was more of a surprise, if probably had a surprisingly good section, it'd be Street Strange 4. Final Resistance Remake, again, was surprisingly good. Black Mesa was great, but the last three hours I need to stab myself in the face with the keyboard. Um, and Ari winning this was good, but it was just more of the same thing. I feel like a Half-Life Alex would probably be my game of the year, but it's a VR game, so it would blow me away more, but I haven't played it. And I've got the facilities okay. to play it. I'm going to mention some honourable mentions as well that you, you might have skipped over. Um, so, you know, you had games like Control, uh, the Gears 5 DLC, um, what else did we have? We had Duke What's Control this year? 20th anniversary. Uh, Tetris Effect Connected. I know you really enjoyed that. Uh, oh, yeah, Tetris Effect. Uh, Control came out last year, so that's why I didn't include it. Okay, that's fine. Came out uh, August uh, last new, year. New Super Lucky's Tale. No. That was this year. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> fucking not, Mark. Super Lucky's Tale does not go into any of my lists. I, I, well, well, not your list, but like I feel like the the game's worth mentioning to, to check out. Uh, did, did Kingdom's Heart 3 come out this year? Oof. Which one? There's probably 9 million of them. Um, I think it did. I think it, did. it came out in March earlier in the year, didn't it? I mean, no one liked it. I mean, it, it bombed. <laughs> like, it, I don't know. I mean, it's. I want to play them all, but it's just the story's so confusing to begin with that I'm probably not going to go around to it. I do think this year, though, we've we've skipped a ton of games that we haven't played or maybe have no interest in that are actually pretty good. Oh, yeah, there's lots of games on the list I saw that can mention. I could have talked about Age of Empires 3, 
the definitive edition. Um, there's you know Panzer Dragoon remakes, which I don't know if you would have enjoyed. Um, there's Leisure Suit Larry Wet Dreams do dry twice. A bit of a spoiler from the first one, surely. Marvel's Avengers. Oof, we could talk about that, but yeah, I think we like I said we 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 sort of went over games. I think we all had some sort of comment on um, Among Us. That was the biggest. That's one of the biggest games of the year. Still haven't played it. All Neil, yeah, we all still need to play that. Yeah, give that a go. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that's... Agatha Knife. That was fantastic. Uh, nice point-and-click adventure game about a girl who decides to set up her own religion so that the animals she murders in the butcher shop are no longer scared of her. <laughs> that was a good game. <laughs> and I love it. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like you said, Mark, there's a lot we can. We can there's a lot we have probably missed or briefed over, but there's a lot we haven't haven't, haven't played. Um, yeah, I mean, any, Ryan, anything you want to wrap up on? Any other games like Mike says you want to mention? Uh, not massively. I mean, I guess for me, in terms of, you said you were surprised I didn't say Last of Us 2 was, you know, my, like, highlight of the year. Um, but I tend to be more excited by surprises. Um, if it's a AAA release, like, Last of Us 2, I didn't think was ever, like, even if you don't like the plot, it's still not a bad game. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake is a great game, like, objectively, even if you don't like the changes to the story. Whereas stuff like Little Misfortune or, you know, my favourite game from previous years, Contrast, um, I like small games that come out that I play and blow me away for whatever reason, as opposed to, oh, here's this giant AAA release that is a great game. But it, I'm not surprised that Final Fantasy VII Remake was good. I wasn't surprised to enjoy it. Whereas other stuff like Agatha Knife, Mechanica, any of Manga Pro games, really, I'm like, yeah, it's great. Because, it's you know, you don't get the press, do you? You don't, you don't know it's coming out, and then you pick it up, give it a risky download, or play it on Game Pass if you're on Xbox. And you're like, oh, wait, this is really interesting. And that has like, more of an impact on me than the giant, massively marketed game. Yeah, the, the smaller indie games, and I guess Streets of Rage 4 can kind of fit in with that, uh, do surprise you because they don't have the hype and they do different things. They they don't try to appeal to everyone. They they try and experiment and sometimes they get lucky and, and pull off something amazing. Yeah, like, there's a game called uh, Vampire the Masquerade Coteries of New York that's basically just a visual novel where you make some choices. Uh, and that was... I mean, there's no real gameplay it's all still images with the odd sound effect or like you know flash on the screen and it's all still images but that did such a good job of building the atmosphere of the world and the game based on the tabletop rpg um the, i only wanted to play it at night time because it just seemed weird to play in the day and read about the you know adventures of this vampire in the daytime so i would only play it at night and there's lots of little things like that where i'm like ooh, intriguing um which yeah i find more worthy of talking about than yeah did i enjoy this giant triple a release I mean, if I'm going to slag off a giant AAA release, it would have to be Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War because I bought it on the Xbox Series X and I have to turn ray tracing <laughs> off for it to work and then occasionally it bricks my console and the frame rate's all over the place. And it's just like, oh. How depressing is that? The world's most powerful console can't take a COD game. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know why I let myself get excited for a Call of Duty game, to be honest. I blame, I blame my mutual friend Chris. <laughs> it's all his fault. You fell into his trap. So I did. warned you. Mark, anything you want to sum up for the year? No, I, I think I've gone through everything I've wanted to talk about. Um, anything else would just be other games I've played, like Full Throttle Remastered, which was really enjoyable, but I don't know if you know when that came out. Um, well, uh, we'll wrap up now. Ryan, as always, would you like to tell everyone where they can see here and get more of you? Uh, Gamehyper.co.uk, of course, where we're all on there being Brummy-based nerds. 
And Mark, where can they see him or review? And in particular, I'm guessing, get some of your fantastic Fuzzballs products. Yeah, you can uh, see what I do at fuzzballs.co.uk, uh, where I draw lots of kawaii cats and other animals and put them on T-shirts. Uh, generally with a geek and pop culture flavour, so there's lots of video game-inspired stuff there, so do have a check of that out. Awesome. Um, otherwise, otherwise, yeah. And when it comes to us, of course, as a group of geeks who are critical about things you can find us and probably get more of us uh, on at critical underscore geeks on Twitter which there'll be more room on Twitter now Trump's been kicked off I'm sure we'll get hopefully get some of her uh, <laughs> maybe not some of his followers but now he's <laughs> off there there might be more attention for everyone else um, and of course the podcast itself will be up on the anchor and iTunes formats so, I like that that suggested that you think Trump is responsible for keeping the podcast down. Like the reason why we're not taking over the world and hosting our own TV show is because of Donald Trump. <laughs> like, but now he's gone. Oh, next up, the Game Awards. Someone give Jeff Keighley a call because he needs to sign us up. <laughs> well, we'll be us and Kojima next year. Just our own little COVID seats at the front. You'll see. <laughs> but, uh, you know what it, it would be nice if we did have some emails come in uh, you're pretty much guaranteed to get them read out uh, because we don't have any so t- you know tell us what games you enjoyed uh, Neil tell them the email address uh, the email address is criticalgeekspodcast at gmail.com if you do want to email in um, you can of course tell us what you think of the podcast tell us what your favourite games were if you want to insult any of us that would also probably make you a good podcast as well um, reading out comments <laughs> Oh, that'd be great if you want to insult us we'll get you on that'd be fantastic maybe don't encourage people to do that you can join in and we'll have a banter off it'll be great well for that. on that very social uh, ending which is something 2020 didn't really give us the chance to do uh, goodbye from Critical Geeks and we'll see you again next time <laughs>